0: Of Revelation. If you have a Bible with you, just want to just share some, uh, uh, just briefly, um, something. So Revelation chapter three. We're just playing it at will on screen. So okay, so Revelation chapter three, and verse fifteen, reads like this. Well, let's go to verse fourteen. To the angel of the church of Laodicea, write: These are the words of the Amen, the faithful the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my Mouth Encouraging reading that that might be tonight. But we're going to have a look at that and see what that means in a moment or two. And uh, we'll have a look at that together in a moment. So, thanks, Joy.
1: I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creeds. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the Red Hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be, be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream. That my poor little children will one day live in a nation. Be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed
0: in all. Let them see it today. I want to sort of continue a little bit what I was sharing from this morning at Long Eaton School. Some of us that were being in our church at Long Eaton School, I was sharing about eagerly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm looking at a series in the mornings on the gifts of the Spirit. And this morning we looked at this idea of eager desire. And I want to pick up that theme a little bit tonight as a theme for the day. You might not have been at Long Eaton School in the morning, don't worry about that, because I'm just picking up the theme of eager desire. My theme really is passion, desire, and eager desire for God. And so the theme would be passion for Jesus. And uh, we'll look at where we're going to go with that over the next few moments. You know, um, if, have you ever made um, a cup of coffee and uh, you've boiled it and then you got sidetracked and you've made it up and you've put it on the side, then the telephone's gone or something's happened and you've gone somewhere and you've done this and done that and a minute or so has gone by or whatever it is and you've come back to your coffee and by the time you've come back to it, you take a, a quick swig of it, you go, oh, I don't know about you, but to me, I, I know some people love cold tea or a, a tepid cu- cup of coffee, but I don't. But It doesn't sa- taste very nice, you, I pour it straight away at, down the sink. And this is exactly what Jesus said to a church. That, you know that taste of tepid coffee or tepid tea, when you've boiled it and you've come back, you like, oh, yuck. And Jesus says exactly the same thing to a group of Christians. He says, you're neither hot nor cold. You're tepid. And it, oh, yuck. He uses a very strong term, actually. He actually used the term, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. It's very strong language. And it said, it's like he said, he spills it away. It said, it's, it's neither hot nor cold to me. He's speaking there of Christians that are not really very passionate. They've just, I'm all right. How are you doing today? I'm okay. Uh, uh, what are we doing? How are we ready tonight? Oh, I'm all right. Uh, we, we just stand. You know, Come on, try and amaze me. It's like, what have you got for me tonight? minister, wherever church you might go to, what, what, what pearl of wisdom, and we're there with our hands in our pockets, or we're there, and we think, okay, worship team, how are you going to lead us tonight? It's that sort of, okay, I'm okay. It's this sort of middle of the road, I'm not really feeling anything, and, and in the kingdom of God, Jesus says that it's just not acceptable. It's just not acceptable in the kingdom of God. And um, he says, you're either hot or you're cold, but you're tepid. You're, it's, and he said, it's not, it's not good. Jesus wants to relate to us. He wants a relationship that's alive. Jesus Christ wants a relationship with you and I that's alive. And this is why he says he wants it hot. He wants a relationship that's good, that's alive, that's hot. That's what Christianity is all about. It's not about just going to church and it's, it's okay. What was it like this morning? fine. It's much more than that. It's a relationship with God. That's when Mike was leading our worship leader, leading us tonight, saying, let's just thank God. Isn't it great? God is a good God. And and then there's an opportunity. And as we begin to thank, did you notice it began to bubble a bit? It began to be that others began to thank. and You begin to feel, oh, this God is really good after all. And then Pat comes and shares a story. You think, wow, this God is alive. Things begin to bubble a bit. It's, It's this aspect of being alive. And a relationship with God is a relationship that is alive, and Jesus wants it to be alive. This is why he says it's either hot or cold. He wants us to be hot, as it were, alive to him and a relationship that is alive. You know, um, a relationship without passion is not alive. It doesn't have a spark. It just goes through the motions. Not that there's passion perhaps all the time, (laughs) but passion lights the spark, as it were. It brings a sense of life. And this understanding in the book of Revelation, which says you're either hot or cold, this idea of being hot is to be alive, the spark, to have passion, desire, eagerness. And this morning at Long Eaton School, we looked at 1 Corinthians 12. Says it, Paul says, eagerly desire the greater gifts. Eager, eagerness. In the Bible, it speaks of zeal, devotion. Desire, and in the, in the um, Psalms, it talks there, the, another metaphor is about being thirsty for God. As a deer pants for the water, so my soul thirsts for God. Jesus says when he, he came one day and spoke to people, if anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink and I'll give you living water. He wants desire. When you're thirsty, you've got to quench your thirst. You really go out of your way to get a drink when you're thirsty. It's this idea of desire, passion, zeal. And without it, we go through the motions. It becomes mundane, monotonous. And you know what? It is possible. The amount of Christians I've met who are going through the motions, as it were, who really feel, how's it going? It's all right. How's church life? Fine. You know, uh, which it's okay to say it's all right, by the way. And it's okay to say it's fine. I'm not saying it's wrong to say those things. But there's something more at times, isn't there? There is something more at times. It's not that you'll be swinging from the rooftops all the time, and it's wonderful, and it's incredible. I'm not saying that, but there's something about having a spark. If in your marriage it's okay, it's fine. If there's no spark from time to time, that's why people fall apart. And there's something about having a zeal, a desire for God. and This is what it's all about. It's a relationship with God. It all becomes half-hearted, tepid, and weak. You know, passion is really powerful. I want to say to you, passion is really powerful. Passion fuels persistence, and when linked with purpose, it takes us into the land of God's promise. Passion, it fuels persistence, and when linked with purpose, it takes us you and I into the land of God's promise. Um. You might take for granted flying off to Turkey, or Greece, or we can't really fly to Blackpool, probably. But you know what it might be. You could fly to Bradford; has got an airport in Bradford, haven't they? But flying, we take for granted flying today. But um, two brothers, the Wright brothers, Orville and Wilbur Wright, they discovered flight. They perfected the art of flight. These two guys—they didn't have that much money. There was another scientist, an aviator and engineer, who had a lot more money than them. His name is gone from me at this moment in time, but uh, he was. There was a race to see who could f- discover and able to build a flying machine. And the Wright brothers um, worked tirelessly. And you know, you might say, well, "Well, you know, we fly now, and they discovered it. Isn't it great?" But they had to build a flying machine which took a long time and at great cost, and with a lot of energy, then they'd try and fly it, it would crash and break. And they'd put it back together and perfect it and change it a little bit and try and fly it and it would crash and break. So they put it back together again and change it another little bit and they'd try and fly it and guess what? It would crash and break so they put it back together and the months went by now you try doing something like that putting something together that's your pride and joy and then you go to fly it and it just falls down in front of you didn't even get a yard doesn't even go a few feet until one day after making the final adjustments after months and months and months of crash land crash land and of disappointment they take off And they fly, was it several hundred yards or whatever it was, and they discover flight. And we've never looked back. Since then, we've gone and landed on the moon. That's flight for you. It's incredible. And I would say to you this. It was passion... And persistence together. These two guys were passionate about what they were doing. They were so passionate about that they would look to discover flight. They were so passionate that every time they crashed, they got up and had another go. You watch any little infant that would try and walk, fall down, and get back up and try and walk and fall down, but ultimately they reached the couch or the sofa or the table or the chairs or whatever it is. And so, with you and I, passion is incredibly powerful in life. But I would venture to this more. Passion for the Lord Jesus Christ can transform and change your life forevermore. And mixed with persistence will take you into a place of promise in God. You know, we just looked at the, uh, a little clip of a man called Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King He gave that address, it's much longer than that, but we've only shown a minute and a half clip. Go on YouTube, and he's an amazing man, Martin Luther King. About a month after I was born, he gave that address in 1963. I think it was the 28th of August, 1963, I believe, give or take a few days, that he gave that address. And uh, it's just, just just over a month after I was born that Martin Luther King, at the Lincoln Memorial, gave the I Have a Dream address. I have a dream. You know, with Martin Luther King, um, it was in an age when we didn't have Twitter, didn't have Facebook, it couldn't trend. Uh, You know, uh, if you can remember telephone, I I can't remember telephoning then, but at at that time, remember the old diary, diary telephone? You probably have to get put through to another exchange. So if you wanted to phone someone up, it'd take you months to even phone someone around the corner. It was in an era not that far long gone ago, in 63, I know that, but you know, um, against all the odds, hundreds of thousands of people turned up at the Lincoln Memorial, black and white, colored and white people turned up at the Lincoln Memorial. Why? They'd heard that Dr. King was going to speak. It got out, it got on the grapevine. And what drew them was Martin Luther King's passion and belief. He didn't say, I have a plan. I have a great idea. He said, I have a dream. It was a passionate dream of a nation under God. Martin Luther King, a great preacher and speaker a lover of the Lord Jesus Christ and the lover of God himself with all his heart love God and he wanted to see a nation that was under God united where people were equal under God You, you hear him preaching and at Lincoln Memorial tens of thousands of people applauding him but he said I didn't I have a dream he had passion passion changes people follow passion God moves when there's passion. He moves in our hearts when there's passion. There's eager desire, there's zeal. But where there's monotony, where it's the mundane, when we're on autopilot, when we're fiddling with our phone in the middle of a meeting, when it's just become nothingness, Jesus wants us to have a real sense of passion. You know, we live in a world that's so... um, We've become so consumed with consumerism and entertainment and the danger... We live in a world where we've become so consumed with by consumerism and entertainment. We're being told... You'll hear me bash on about this all the time. But we're being told to get out of a recession, borrow more, so we can spend more. And if we spend more, our economy will grow more. But I seem to think that seemed to get me into more debt more. I don't know where that comes into it somehow. So in other words, consume more and we will all be okay. And the danger can be that in life, we come and we're looking at what we can get. What can we consume? Even as Christians, when you go to a church or a meeting or you hear someone or you listen to the music, we cons- what's, what's going to be in it for me? We come to consume. And almost, what, what can it be? we come to almost be, and we can if we're not in danger of almost being enter- come to end, be entertained. And that's the age in which we now live. It's so dangerous. And um, Jesus doesn't want to entertain us. He wants to have a relationship with us. Jesus doesn't want to entertain you. He wants to relate to you. God wants to relate to you. Our lives will be changed forevermore. It can be a great life. But if we're looking to consume and just have my senses and everything met, and that's a good show, and that was a great, and that was good, entertain. But God wants to relate to us. An amazing thing, a man called John F. Kennedy said this, don't ask what can my country do for me, but rather ask what can I, what can you do for your country? John F. Kennedy was a dreamer, a great visionary, and dreamer, and a man who dreamed a dream. Ask what can you do for your country? So, okay, concluding in a moment or two. What can you and I do then? What can you and I do about it? How can we restore a sense of heart, desire, a passion for God, find a passion for Jesus Christ? How can we restore that? How can we find that? A couple of things that we can do. Number one, the first thing we can do is allow Jesus to set your heart on fire, perhaps for the first time, and maybe for some of us to let him come and set us on fire again. To allow him to come and set our hearts on fire. Understand that there's no half measure in the kingdom of God. It's either hot or cold. You're either for him or you're not. And you're either... no, I'm not saying this. Jesus actually says this in the book of Revelation. You're either with me or you're not. There's a sense of passion to turn, to be turned, our hearts turned for him. And so it's to allow the Holy Spirit to touch our hearts afresh. Will you allow the Holy Spirit to touch your heart afresh tonight? Perhaps you started so strongly. Perhaps can you remember the first day you became a Christian and the sense of passion and vigour that you had? It's so easy. You know, when I get a new car, I shine it up and it's great and shiny. But after a while, it becomes a bit battered and tatty and you then get used to it and we get used to our Christian walk and we can get used to God but God wants us to be all nice new and shiny again so to speak he wants us to allow the person of the Holy Spirit to fan something into flame in our hearts whether we're young or old when I was 20 years of age I became a Christian and God lit a fire in my heart and a dream in my heart that keeps me going today I tell you what if it wasn't for anything else it's the dream of his presence, the knowing, of serving, of living for God. And tonight and today, that's exactly what God wants to do in your heart and my heart. Light the fire again. Will you allow the person of the Holy Spirit to light the fire again? Would you, would you come back to Jesus perhaps tonight? Maybe you've wandered away. Maybe the passion, maybe your heart's grown a bit cold. Maybe you've become disillusioned. Maybe your life has been full of so much stuff. Maybe you've become on the wayside. Tonight, the first thing is to allow the Lord Jesus to light the fire again. Secondly and finally, the, second thing is something that, that's the first thing is something that God can do. The second thing is something that you and I can do, and that's to fan into flame the gift. A man called Paul says to a guy called Timothy, a young pastor, fan into flame the gift that you have when we prayed with you. In other words, stir up your heart again. So there's something in allowing God to touch us and then there's something that you and I can allow our lives where we stir ourselves. It's like a wake-up call. It's like you get up one day and you think, "Oh, I've got to do something about this." You wake up. And this is what Paul says to Timothy. You now do something. You stir yourself up, so to speak. And so the first thing I'd say is, can you give yourself to a cause greater than yourself? Can you give yourself to a cause greater than your iPhone? Or your iPad, or your Mac? Or your job. Or your own opinions. Can you and I? Can I? And I possess a nice shiny iPhone 4S too. So don't worry, I'm not knocking anyone that does have one. But I'm just saying, can we give ourselves to a cause greater than ourselves? Do you know, I read an article. It said this, that people that have a sense of faith, it wasn't just Christian faith, but it was an article on um, a belief system and feeling good about life. They said that people that had a sense of faith seemed to, on general terms, um, live a healthier lifestyle than some of those that didn't. Why? And they looked into lots of reasons. It helped deal with their worry, and worry and anxiety makes you feel sick. Also, it said that they were able to give themselves to see the bigger picture to a cause greater than themselves. That's nice and echoey, isn't it? They're able to give themselves to a cause greater than themselves. God is greater than you and I. He sees the bigger picture. And, you know, on this earth, we're told to live for the moment, consume what you can, and do what... But you know what? There's, there's something more to life. There's an eternal picture. There's an amazing God who can change the course of so many of our lives. And are you in a position, will you, give yourself to a cause greater than yourself? It's the cause of Christ. It deals with all of the differences of opinion and the little things here on earth that get us down and beat us up and cause us to fall out with each other and do church and don't do church and I do like and I don't like. It's something far bigger. It's God himself. It's a cause greater than you and I. Can you give yourself to that cause? To the cause, the great cause himself, God Almighty, who caused everything to come into being. Almighty God wants a relationship with you and I. And so I would say as a Christian, can you give yourself to that cause? Can you give yourself to God afresh like that? And say, it's a bigger picture. What I see is only the small picture. Let's not get wound up about certain things that wind us up, certain points and issues. Let's go for God and see the bigger picture. Something greater than you and I. Secondly, I'd say this in stirring things up. Put some fuel on the fire. It's time for some of us to put some fuel on the fire of your heart. You know, I heard somebody say this: "You can't alter your past, but you can put your past on the altar." You can't alter your past, but you can put your past on the altar. In the Old Testament dies, days, dies. in the Old Testament days, they'd build an altar. They put a sacrifice on an altar. It's like a big stone, stony sort of, pillory sort of, loads of stones type of thing. And they have this altar. And they put a sacrifice on the altar and they'd light a fire. And uh, it would consume the sacrifice. And for you and I today, we, give, we don't put our lives on an altar as such, but we give our, our hearts and lives over to God. It's a, it's a, it's a picture of saying, I'm going to give you my whole life. And then you can set fire to it, God. You can stir me up. And it's putting our lives on the altar, as it were. Put some fuel on the fire. So how do you do that? You say, here's my life, God. Here's my life. We were talking about this this morning at Long Eaton School about giving our lives afresh to God, so we can experience all that He's got for us. Here's my life. You know, when you became a Christian, that's what you had to do. You had to say to God, "I'm going to give you my life." But you know what? Jesus says, "Pick up your cross daily and follow me." And it's giving our lives on that altar is every day. Here's my life, God. Put some fuel on the fire. Put some fuel on. Finally, the third and final thing in fanning it into flame. Get yourself into the fire where others are. Don't let yourself get isolated. You take a coal out of the fire, you know the old picture. You take a coal out of the fire, if you have a coal fire, if it gets spat out of the fire, eventually it goes out. You need to put the coal back into the fire. And so the picture is there. Get amongst Christians. Don't let yourself be isolated. I know so many Christians that have fallen by the wayside because they say, Oh, I don't really want to go there anymore. Don't really want to mix with them anymore. I, don't, I haven't really got time to be with that group anymore. Oh, I'm just, I'm just falling out of that now. It's a whole picture. If you put all of this together, if you fan into flame, if you give yourself to a cause greater than yourself, if you put fuel on the fire and you get yourself amongst other people that are on fire, other you words, know, join with Christians. That's so why so, I think it's so important for us to be together as a church on a Sunday. If you can come together, to be with other believers. It's so important to keep yourself flamed. And fire begets fire. If I'm on fire, I rub off and I can cause someone else to be on fire. And it's great. It's great. It really is great. Passion. Will you have a passion for Jesus? Let's pray. It's close. We're going to pray together. We're going to sing something in a moment or two, but we're just going to just... Um, I'm going to. Okay, would, you, would you, if you can, stand with me? Stand. If you prefer to be remain seated, if it's more comfortable, then still remain seated. But if you can stand, let's stand for a moment or two. But it's okay if you want to sit. That's not, not a problem. And um, will you give yourself to a cause? I'm saying to God, to the cause greater than ourselves. I believe if you can say yes to this, then you will be challenged with it in your job when you're when you're making a decision on what job to take. God will say, can you give yourself to a cause greater than me? When you find that you bump into someone in church life and you disagree with the point of this or that, God will say, put it in perspective. Can you give yourself to a cause greater than this? Perhaps in work life, God will say, can you give yourself... He wants to keep you in that job, but that job isn't everything. He's not going to take you out that job, perhaps, but he wants to put it in perspective. So he'll keep you in that job and it's a great job but he will say don't let the job become your God. Give yourself to a cause that is greater. Give yourself to me. Oh my word if we can we do that tonight. Put some fuel on the fire. Put yourself on the altar. Here's my life God. Take me. If we could do that as a church we'll ch- change the place. God will change us. God will change us. Passion is ignited not by human endeavour, but by heavenly favour. Passion is ignited not by human endeavour, but heavenly favour. And what we have to do is place ourselves in the favour of God. And I feel that some of us tonight are walking in a way that's out of step with the favour of God. God is a favourable God. He's a good God. He's an incredible God. He just wants you to line your life up with his favour. Get under his favour right now. We've had so much rain just lately and the picture that came to me is walking with a big umbrella and you've got some friends under one of those big golfing umbrellas with you. But one of your friends and you're sheltering under the golfing umbrella, it's a big deluge, but one of your friends is walking just outside of the 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 reach of the umbrella they want to hurry up they want to get ahead they want to move on so they walk outside of the reach of the umbrella and they get soaked and there's something about staying under the umbrella there's something about getting under God's favour and you can run ahead in your life you can step outside of God's desire for your life but if you get under the umbrella of his love his favour I tell you that's passion line up your life with God can we do that tonight? Let's pray. Father God, see our hearts. See the lives of people that are gathered here. Such a great group of people here tonight, Lord. I thank you for them. Thank you for everyone. Every single person's here because they're called by you. And Lord God, will you see our hearts? We're saying, Lord God, we're giving our lives to you afresh tonight. This is my life, God. Take it. I'm going to give myself to you afresh. Maybe some people tonight for the very first time are going to say, God, I'm going to give my life to you. Some of us, we're walking ahead. We've fallen behind. We've lost our way. And we've been out of your favour. We've stood outside the umbrella, as it were. Now, tonight, as I stand in your presence, I want to put myself back under your will. I want to follow your ways. Help me, oh God, by the Holy Spirit, so that I can stay under your favour. Oh God, as a church, we want to be within the banner of your favour. I don't want to do anything that's ahead, behind or to the left nor the right, but I want to line up my life and we want to line up our lives as a church under the favour of God because his banner over me is love. And it's that love banner that I want to get under tonight, Father. So would you take my life afresh in Jesus' name. We're just going to sing together. Faith can move the mountains. Let the mountains move. Come with expectation. Waiting here for you. Waiting here for you. Lord of all
1: creation Still you know my heart